The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk, powered by thegorillaposition.com and a proud part of the Roar Network, presented by the Hitting the Marks Podcast Network, now in association with IndiePW.com. We are sponsored by CollarAndElbowBrand.com, where you can get 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST, in partnership with HypeCityVapors.com, where you can get 15% off when using promo code JKPODCAST. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching at TBTalkPod. You can listen to us on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcast, CastBox, and all those other podcatchers out there. And now, for your streaming pleasure on Spotify. As always, I am Carl Carafel. And I am Big Joe. And welcome back. Yes, Carl, another week has come and gone in the world of professional wrestling. And before we get to the bulk of what we're talking about, just uh, just to catch up, uh, how has your, your last week kind of been? Busy. <laughs> You've been busy. Um, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm essential service. Yeah. Um, I'm busy. My work has been busy. Um, I had got off a uh, seven days straight, and I slept the next day because I work nights. Um, and then I had, uh, essentially one day off, went out, grocery shopped, went back home and that was it. And I've worked a couple of nights now. I'm going to have, uh, I work tonight. I'm going to have, uh, sleep tomorrow and then the next day off. And then I'm back on for seven straight again. Wow. Yeah, things have been somewhat kind of business as usual, uh, you know, given the different world that we're living in these days. I mean, things are kind of evolving and uncertainty in the air. Um, my job hasn't changed a whole lot. Uh, where I work at, the, it's essentially closed. And But I guess me being a night worker as well, it still seems to be a go for the time being. So... But I have had a little extra time kind of inside just because, you know, we can't really go and do a whole lot. Uh, you know, listeners can't see, but Carl can see I've uh, introduced a new camera view for our record here so you can kind of see the, the studio a little bit more. And, um, yeah, other than that, uh, just been kind of at home trying to watch as much wrestling as, uh, as possible. And uh, this weekend we did have the two-night WrestleMania that we're going to talk about here, Carl. And uh, before we get into all the details, just... Kind of overall general thoughts of uh, night one and night two of WrestleMania 36. So my honest opinion, um, I'm going to be very, very blunt, very frank with this. I wish that they would have postponed WrestleMania, but I'm happy that they gave us something. Now, what they gave us was not, in my opinion, a WrestleMania. No. But they gave us something. They worked with what they could should they have called it WrestleMania? No. no. What I think they should have possibly done is maybe started moving pay-per-views. So if they wanted no. to do Money in the Bank, they could have done Money in the Bank this weekend. Yeah. Instead. 
and then postponed WrestleMania, right? They could have shifted things a little bit so that they had money in the bank happening at the Performance Center because that's the next pay-per-view that's going to be affected, right? Right. I mean, at least here we're looking until uh, for the the next month, we're looking until May at least. So we're we're like, that's that's my opinion. Um, both nights, I, I think that there was good, there was bad. There definitely was. Like yeah. every other pay per view that we've ever seen, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I definitely kind of in the in the same boat as you. It just it uh, it just really felt so strange for WWE's marquee event to be done without an audience, and so many of these possible what could have been true on WrestleMania moments are just kind of hampered by there being no reaction to these moments happening because, you know, the, the reaction from the crowd is, is, is it's, it kind of coincides along with the actual kind of moment. And just without that reaction, it just, it, it feels like it just falls flat. And, you know, especially for the very end of night two, you know, as cool as a moment that uh, that it was, it could just it felt so kind of anticlimactic at the end. Uh, I think it kind of be the best way that I can word it. And like you had said, a, a mixture of some good and some bad, and just it's I just I still can't really wrap my head around these empty arena WWE shows. I I feel AEW does them well. Uh, other companies really aren't even <laughs> attempting them at this point. And with WWE, it just it, it just it feels weird. Is about the best way I can think to word it. It feels weird. But why? Because the we're not getting the reaction from the crowd, and it's got to affect the performers. And you see, a lot of these performers are are trying to to go through the motions with the crowd, and it comes off feeling kind of hokey because they're trying to play to an audience that isn't there. But it's the same with AEW, and you're saying that they're doing things well it's the exact same thing. So how, how that that's, that's my biggest question for all of you that, that, that mm-hmm. are out there saying WrestleMania without a crowd. It just, you know what? You're right. It wasn't the same. Mm-hmm. It definitely was not, but any show that they're putting on, everybody's crapping on uh raw. They're crapping on SmackDown. Yep. They're crapping on any event that they're putting on with no crowd, but they're praising AEW for everything that they're doing. The Where's mark. the difference here? People tell for, me for what's me, the difference because I'm not seeing it <laughs> for me. It, it, it's the, how they, how they shoot it in AEW with the, the camera, especially when they're doing promos uh, the cameraman's, for the most part, getting ripped in their face so that the performer has an actual opportunity to actually talk to their audience, which in the case right now are the people at home because we've only got a hand with AEW, we've only got a handful of the wrestlers at ringside. Your audience is at home. So they're, they're, I think what they've managed to do well is get that camera in nice and tight so you can see that the performer is actually having a chance to actually speak to their intended audience. That's where I think it's working. And WWE, they kind of keep things wide. So for, for me, that's that's the main difference. That's what I pick up on. Okay, that's that's valid. I mean, you talk about, you know, like like the, the people at home hearing and, and being, you know, talked to and stuff. Like, I could hear absolutely everything. Oh, it's not a matter of not hearing it. Right. Just visually. I mean, the, the, the performer's looking into the camera at, from a close distance, from a far distance away. It's like they're still pandering. Uh, they're, they're still working to an audience that isn't there with, with WWE. With AEW, they're getting nice and tight in with the camera. The performer's looking right close in at the camera. So you feel like you're being spoken to through the camera. That's the, that. that's the difference that what I pick up on WWE they keep your things fairly wide um, I mean you think for obvious reasons because we don't want to be too close to each other right now but 
for me, that, that that's what it, what it kind of comes down to. Just all the way that this is, well, all the way that they shoot it. So okay, yeah, no, and that's that's a good valid point. I uh, yep. and I'm glad that I threw that out there to you because that's something that I not that I, I haven't noticed because I definitely have, mm. but um, AEW has always kind of been that way with yep. those tighter, closer shots, whereas mm-hmm. uh, the WWE really hasn't. So I mean, that's something that the production team that's working the cameras and stuff with the WWE that they're not used to that. Mm-hmm. They're used to what they've been doing for the last 50 years. Yeah. As opposed to this, this new take on it. So it's going to be an adjustment. Oh, for and sure. I mean, yeah. Right. So, I mean, it, are we, are we really expecting though, the WWE changes absolutely everything that they're doing because then we're going to start getting people that are going, oh, they're just copying AEW <laughs> right. because now AEW is the best brand. And and you know we're going to hear that shit. Damned you if know you do, we're d- going to hear it. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, a couple other things that I do have to mention, and, and this is something that is probably more exclusive to people like me, like Jericho and whatnot, who do uh, audio production. So I'm listening for this stuff almost kind of subconsciously. One th- couple things that I did pick up on, first of all, right off the bat, uh, a lot of these matches, especially the women's matches, but I mean, for the most part, you could say most of the matches, if at any point you were pretty much to just do what I did now, just kind of be quiet and kind of close your eyes. It, it almost kind of sounded like you were watching porn because there was a lot of gr- grunting and moaning and you can hear it a lot more given that we didn't have an audience in the crowd. And another thing that I picked up on as well is that why was commentary so close to the ring? Because what what was happening is you could hear the commentary looping back, like the commentary would happen on the show, and then you would hear it uh, coming through after, right? I, I'm sure a lot of people are just kind of didn't pick up on that, or, or it's just kind of whatever. But I mean, that's the kind of thing that I just it stood out like a uh, porcupine in a nudist colony. Um, oh, no, yeah. that was actually I, a name I, yeah. of a previous episode of Turnbuckle Talk, and um, yeah, it just uh, not a big deal, but it's something that kind of ruins the illusion a little bit for me, but I'm sure most people were kind of like, yeah, whatever. It was just WWE, right? I heard it too. I definitely did. Mm-hmm. It, um, I mean, for me, it really didn't take away from it because yeah. I'm, I'm not there so much to hear the crowd. I'm there to watch the wrestling. Right. That's what I'm there for. I want to see the performers mm-hmm. that I am paying to watch mm-hmm. do their thing. See, right? and that's something It's like that's, going to yeah. a circus or going to a, uh, to a to a Broadway show or mm-hmm. going to a hockey game or a baseball game and turning your back to what's actually happening and watching the fans. I'm not there to do that. I'm there to watch the performance that I paid for. See, that brings up an interesting thing here. I know I know we're getting off on a little bit of a tangent and not getting into the the, the actual matches quite yet, but I think this is an important thing to bring up because during I, I believe it may have been during night one, uh, kind of in a discussion group. Uh, over in the Hummy Media Group, I think, or actually, I think it might have just been uh, through Facebook Messenger. I was talking to our friend Rick, uh, Rick Vickery about this, where it feels like with the show that I felt like with you being somebody that's worked in the ring before her, Carl. And I'm wondering if this is something that maybe was the case here is that a lot of in ring workers, a lot of actual wrestlers, I wonder if maybe they kind of got more out of this show because the focus is really more kind of on just what's happening in the ring and everything else is kind of blocked out. So I'm wondering if people like yourself or, or people currently working maybe got more out of this show than the typical fan did. What, what, do, you, what do you think about uh, that thought process? Do you think there's any truth to that possibly? Definitely. I'm sure that there's truth to that thought process. I mean, 
even for myself, I've worked crowds where there was five people in the audience. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, you still go out there and give the exact same performance that you would give for a hundred thousand people or five people, because that's your craft. That's mm. what you love. That is what you do. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, like definitely the spotlight is more put on them, right? The focus is on them. And, and that's definitely an ego boost. It, it 100% right. is because now the focus is on the performers and not the cameramen panning the crowd looking for that person that has some sort of small reaction to something that happened and taking away from their performance. Right. Okay, Carl, let's start breaking down some of these night one matches here. Um, one more brief thing. I don't know if he had a chance to, uh, I think the bulk of what he did on night one was kind of before this kind of happened, but we did see some more of him on night two. What did you think of Gronkowski hosting this thing? Um, for me, just it felt like it would just, maybe it didn't quite hit the mark, so to speak, uh, pun intended there. Uh, I think that they totally missed the, the boat and the opportunity with this guy. Dude, Gron- Gronkowski there? Yeah. WWE Hall of Fame for that performance. God. Come on now. So the guy terrible. was crap. Yeah. Are you serious right now? There was absolutely nothing there. Yeah. There was no exuberance. There was no yeah. chemistry with anyone that he was talking to. Nope. It just seemed like he was a fan hmm. that was schoolgirling out and just pandering to himself is how it felt it was it was yeah. ridiculous it well, wasn't needed at all um, in, in, in night two I, when I he would went... have rathered titus o'neill <laughs> for the second half of well, night two guess what I carl rathered that because he's got a little bit of character at least well guess what carl uh when gronk won i know we're jumping ahead a little bit here when gronk actually won the 24 7 title um i guess he just didn't come back out and yeah, Titus O'Neill uh, came out to run the rest of the show. And uh, that's why I, th- I mentioned it. I <laughs> think that, um, you know, that maybe you didn't do well when you get replaced by Titus O'Neill. Uh, I have no words. I have no words to describe that moment. Um, it, it, it is what it is, I guess. Um, but Titus definitely did better than Gronk, and that's really yeah. not saying much. <laughs> to be perfectly blunt with you. Um, so yeah, first, uh, first and only pre-show match for night one of WrestleMania 36, Drew Gulak versus Cesaro uh, in a match that went just over four minutes. Cesaro getting the win in a very quick pre-show match. Uh, I don't really have much to say about this because I didn't get a chance to catch it, and apparently you didn't either. So there's not I much I can say. But I did see some highlights, and mm-hmm. I, I, I do believe, was that the, uh, the, the no-hand airplane spin that we saw? Um, I did, did you hear, see any highlights at all? I didn't see highlights that I'll, I'll actually, after we record, I'll have to go check that out just to, to hear about that. Cause I have not, no idea how that could actually be done. Well, no. it was <laughs> very, very beautiful looking. Yeah. If, if I'm, if I'm thinking correctly, because I mean, I, I watched so much professional wrestling mm-hmm. in between trying to, uh, do my job and spend time with my family. Yep. Um, the rest of my time is, is pretty much spent watching wrestling. Um, and I'm pretty sure that's what we saw. We saw an airplane spin, uh, with no hands, which mm-hmm. phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, both guys are fantastic in the ring, both Drew Gulak and Cesaro, um, don't get the real opportunity that they have earned in my opinion. Uh, not even getting five minutes with these guys. I think that's a bit of a shame. Um, I, 
very much if I was booking this stuff, I probably would have bumped this to the main uh, show and I probably would have bumped something else to the pre-show. But uh, again, it is what it is. Um, first match of the actual show, we had Bliss Cross versus the Japanese stereotypes for the WWE uh, Women's Tag Team Championships. Uh, this went 15 minutes. Uh, they give uh, the girls a fair amount of time here. And... This was the point in the evening where they lost me, Carl. <laughs> right off the hop, I actually uh, nodded off during these two matches uh, for this in the, the the match that followed. And so, I mean, I'm only going off the results here. All I know is that we have new women's tag team championships in the form of Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. So I guess that's cool. Um, but you know, once again, the Japanese wrestler is not getting a fair shake in WWE. I, I think it was perfectly fine. How long yep. have they held those titles? And they did absolutely nothing with them. So, yep. I mean, it's, it's it's a product for their own fault mm. at, at this point. Uh, mm. The WWE, that's how they booked things. And, I mean, the Kabuki Warriors really didn't stand out. No. Um, whether or not it was because they, they didn't make a stand mm. to stand out or the WWE didn't put them into a position to stand out. Either way, yeah. they didn't stand out. No. Whereas you get Nikki Cross and you get Alexa Bliss who both pander to the fans and pander to the crowd and yep. such a such a good gimmick with this whole Nikki Cross. Um, like, I'm I'm loving Nikki Cross. I have since she started in the WWE and even yep. before I've been a fan of Nikki Cross. Mm-hmm. And, and just this whole thing that she's doing right now has been fantastic with Alexa Bliss, and I'm, I'm loving it. And everybody knows I'm an Alexa Bliss fan. <laughs> so anything that Alexa Bliss does, I'm happy with. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next up we had Elias versus King Corbin and a singles match, uh, went nine minutes. Exactly. Um, again, uh, I did not get to see this match because I was kind of groggy at this point. I was, uh, probably just waking up as, uh, this match ended. Elias ended up getting, uh, the, um, the win here and a strange kind of phenomenon happening here. People are going, that's Elias's music. Because we never hear it because the guy never wins. <laughs> so uh, yep. definitely strange there. And for me, that was the pre-show match, not Cesaro versus Gulak. I would have flipped these two. And yeah. Yep, I definitely would have flipped them as well. Um, I mean, was it bad? No, not necessarily. Um, was it good? No, not necessarily. Um, it was just a mediocre match. Mm-hmm. And for me, they don't do enough with King Corbin because I will say I'm not going to hate on the guy because arguably, Carl, this guy's the best heel in the company. Um, He gets the desired reaction that you would want from a heel wrestler. And a lot of people are like, boo, 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 you suck. I'm like, no, he is actually getting the intended reaction from the audience. And, you know, he is a good worker. So I can't really hate on the guy. Uh, just I think that they just, they don't go far enough with him. This, this King thing, I think they need to find some other angle to work here and, and really push this guy as a heel because He's actually very good at it, Carl, and he yeah. uh, they, they need to, to really go further with it and because uh, they have a good thing going here, and you could really, really then have a top heel in uh, yeah. Baron Corbin, for sure. Yeah, he, he definitely is a very good heel, and, yep. and he's very good at what he does in that in that ring um, and, and to the crowd as well. Like mm-hmm. you were saying, the crowd is booing him and saying, you suck and, and all of this stuff. I mean, yep. I don't think that the fans really necessarily think that he sucks, but just that he's playing his gimmick so good mm-hmm. that what else can you say but you yep. suck? <laughs> exactly, right? 
So next up we had, for the WWE Raw Women's Championship, we had Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler. Uh, this went just over just over eight minutes, this match. They didn't give them a whole lot of time here. Now, all I'm going to say with this here, Carl, is um, I'm about as anti-Shayna Baszler as you can kind of get. You know, I I, I dig the gimmick. I dig the, the, the character, uh, although they've been kind of faltering with it. I'm not sure kind of what direction they're going to kind of go. I've never been a fan of her in-ring work because I feel that it's not professional wrestling, in my opinion. But... Even having said that, I still think that they went with the wrong direction here. They they did all the stuff. They had her dominate in the elimination chamber, only for Becky to get a cheesy kind of roll up style kind of a pin. What a missed opportunity to really establish Shayna as the top women heel over on the Raw side, Carl. What a missed opportunity. It definitely wasn't. I think it just uh, again comes back to WWE fashion and how they uh, figure creating stars is done. And it, it, it's kind of almost the theme of uh, this show here, Carl. feels like a lot of this kind of stuff is not WrestleMania-worthy. It's we're putting out something for, for people to watch, but you know, we're not fully invested in a good portion of it. And I think that this match here is a good example uh, of that kind of thought process where it just felt like they, they really concentrated on a few kind of matches uh, throughout the, these two days, but it just felt like with, with the, the majority of them, though, it was just kind of just, you know, just get them out there, Done. Uh, okay, there's a, there wasn't a whole lot kind of invested from the company in a lot of these matches, so it's hard to get invested in as a fan watching the matches. Um, that, that's kind of what again, I'm though from. that that comes back to build up, mm-hmm. right? Right. Like, and and don't get me wrong, they did they did a pretty decent build up for Becky Lynch and Baszler. They yeah. really did. Um, coming from the coming weeks and from you know uh, Royal Rumble and coming through and going on and, and, and stuff like this, right? So they had a really good buildup. They just seem to have dropped the ball when it came to this match. They're putting all the, the sympathy on Shayna Baszler when Shayna was the one kind of instigating being the heel, going as far as biting her in the back of the neck to what now we have Becky getting the, the cheap pin on her and then Shayna looking like the one that's kind of been wrong just that the psychology has kind of been reversed so it, it definitely feels kind of strange and I, I just I feel like I said not a Shayna Baszler fan but they should have made the move there and given if we would have had a regular Wrestlemania I think that maybe things might have been different but you know yeah. it's one of those things where We'll never really know. We'll never really know what they would originally right. have planned. Uh, next up, we had Sami Zayn with Cesaro in Nakamura um, ringside versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE Intercontinental title match. Um, this is a strange one because it, uh, it it was good, but again, just there wasn't a whole lot to kind of go. So it was a good, solid match. I'm a fan of both guys, both great work, but just it didn't feel like a WrestleMania match for just on every level, you know, not having the crowd doesn't help. And just, you know, this intercontinental title, I, I hate it. I hate how it is right now. And especially as a Canadian with so many Canadians holding that championship, it just, I, I, I don't know what to really say about this one. 
Don't really I mean, you're right. The mat, the match itself was was very well done. Yeah. Like the two guys can can really go. They they yeah. can. They're both phenomenal workers. Um, I just you're right. I don't think that there was really uh, enough build for this, and it just didn't feel like a uh, like a top quality match. I mean, this is this is now. I mean, a lot of this, majority of this, is going to go back to what I said at the beginning, where I I think that they yeah. should have you know just postponed WrestleMania to a yeah. different date mm-hmm. and, and just still gone out there and given us something because that's what fans were expecting. They were expecting some matches to happen. They were expecting some entertainment in this time where every other sport is shut down and not giving anything aside from maybe NASCAR with their, (laughs) uh, their, uh, you know, interactive. Love that. Love that. Right. Like that's really cool. It definitely, I'm not a NASCAR fan, No, but that's a cool idea. Uh, I dig it. Um, yeah, I mean, without without that, I mean, we have to have something to entertain us. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, before we go any further, I want to give a, a big shout out to like Sportsnet and to um, uh, uh, what is it there? TSN, TSN I believe, yeah. had some on and um, just these different companies, these sports companies that were actually showing previous WrestleManias yeah. in their entirety mm-hmm. going through coming up to this quote unquote WrestleMania that happened. Um, shout out to them for giving people some entertainment uh, out there without it being the same rerun misplays of the year thing going on over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, one other thing too, I did see a fair amount of in, in this match and um, definitely a lot in the women's matches, especially the ones that we'll get to in night two. Um, I don't know if you picked up on this, Carl. Uh, maybe a lot of the kind of mainstream audience maybe didn't quite pick up on this. But uh, again, as somebody who does a lot of editing work and, and whatnot, I something that I, that I pick up on, like it really, really stands out, a lot of edits and cuts in these matches, especially in the women's matches of, okay, you can tell like, okay, this didn't quite go as I wanted, then it was a cut, and then, you know, try again, cut, try again. You know, there are definitely a lot of, it, it felt kind of choppy at that kind of moments, uh, and I think they were able to disguise a little bit with making it just look like the camera had kind of shifted, but uh, there was a lot of edit work uh, done in these matches. So you can tell that they, they had to really kind of piece these together. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you definitely could yeah. see that. So, and, and you could tell that they're so used to doing this live that uh, they, they did, like I said, they did an okay job disguising some of it, but somebody like myself, I mean, it really stands out. Um, next up we had, this is a strange one. So we have a, a three way singles ladder match, for a tag team championship, which is I don't don't believe has ever done been done before, uh, we had John Morrison versus Jimmy Uso versus Kofi Kingston, and they gave these guys just shy of 19 minutes. Uh, this was uh, again uh, a ladder match that it, it was good, but without an audience, it's not the same. Uh, the excitement of, of a ladder match, I mean, you have so much reaction happening from the crowd during these types of matches that it felt very weird and just. Um, you hear so much more of the stuff going on in the ring than you normally would with an audience too. That's another thing too, with a lot of these matches is that they just audibly, it sounds so different, so different. It it does sound different. Yeah. It's, it sounds like you're at an indie show. Yeah, it really that's, does. Honestly, yeah. that's, that's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this match was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they really went out there. They, they put themselves out on the line. Um, honestly, a few of the spots with John Morrison, 
let's uh, pull back the curtain here a little bit. He's done in Lucha Underground. Yeah, shocking. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. But that's what he knows. That's what he's used to. So why yeah. not do a spot that it, that he's done before and he knows sure. works, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of the WWE fans aren't necessarily watchers of other wrestling companies out there. So this is something that they would have never seen. So it would have mm-hmm. been new to them. Um, I caught uh, caught on to you know a little bit of some Lucha Underground stuff in there, but I mean I think they did really great with everything that they did in that match without having a crowd there. Um, I'm not. Uh, I'm I'm gonna put this out there for everybody. If there's a crowd or there's not a crowd, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I am there to watch the professional wrestling, right? Because I've been there, I've done that. And I know the work that's put into it. Yep. So because of that, I don't care about the crowd mm-hmm. at all. So a crowd noise doesn't affect me at all. Yeah. A crowd quietness doesn't affect me at all. Mm-hmm. But as we'll see in the, in the next match, there are some that are better at working this than others. Uh, maybe because they've worked a lot of smaller shows, uh, you'll see like... Um, know with the the women's tag team match with, with becca and shana um not a whole lot of kind of conversation happening but in our next match kevin owens versus seth rollins these guys know kind of how to work a quieter crowd or in this case a no crowd um lots of conversation lots of talk and smack between you know, each other uh, this is actually my match of night one i thought these guys did a fantastic job given the circumstances and there wasn't even anything on the line uh, they, they, they did fantastic here and this is how you work an empty arena show with this match. These guys were a lot of talking smack back and forth. Uh, this was fantastic. Uh, they, they, this is the one that stood up for me for the first night. But this is what they regularly do. Mm-hmm. So this isn't anything different, right? Kevin Owens, that's what he does when he's out there in the ring. Yep. He is always smack talking and always doing that. Yep. So this was just old hat for him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, whether there's a there was a crowd or not, it was going to be the exact same thing coming from Kevin Owens yep. in this match, no matter what. It, it just it, it really stood out just because of the approach, right? A lot of these other wrestlers, you know, they're just calling their, their spots during the match. Not a whole lot of the talking, uh, the smack back and forth. Like you said, Kevin Owens has always done that and always done it very, very well. Uh, one thing I will say with this, um, as good as this match kind of was, if you want to kind of go above and beyond with this, uh, Ring of Honor, actually, I, I believe before uh, this happened, they actually re-aired, you actually find this on YouTube, of their match that they had in Ring of Honor. If you really, really want to see a top-tier match with these guys, go check that out. They've uploaded that for free. Fan-freaking-tastic. Um, those two guys, this is, I wish that they kind of would have let them almost kind of go to that level. Now, this brings up a greater thing with, with these WrestleMania matches, given that it's, you know, it's your marquee event. I, I get you want to manipulate the storylines and kind of do that kind of stuff, but when it comes to the actual in-ring matches, just take, just let these guys and these girls just go out there and do what they want to do. Don't, like, restrict it so much. This is Wrestle-freaking-mania, uh, whether there's, there's a crowd or not. This is where you're supposed to let leave it all in the ring and just let them kind of go do more of what they kind of want to do and, and really kind of blow things out of the water, not kind of, you know, micromanaging things so much. I think that this is something that needs to change with WrestleMania. Just let them go out there and work. Let them, go, they, they know what they're doing. Just don't hold them back so much. 
This is the same thing that we've seen over the last few WrestleManias too, though. I mean, you, you get the certain ones that they're going to allow to go out there and do that. And you get the other ones that are, they're told, you know, go out there and have a good safe Mm -hmm. match. So, I mean, no matter, no matter what, I mean, I think that everything that happened was probably going to be exactly the same as it would have been in the arena with a crowd Mm -hmm. would have been the exact same thing. Um, I don't think that they really, and I could be totally wrong on this, but it doesn't seem as though to me that they really changed how the matches were done, how they were laid out, how things were going. Um, Now, could they maybe have, you know, with that adrenaline from the crowd, possibly, you know, done a couple other things because they were feeding off of the crowd? Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. You're right. They could have. But the basic basis of Everything that happened in, to my understanding, all of these matches would mm-hmm. have been exactly the same that we would have seen in yeah. the arena. Yeah. Um, next up, Carl, we have, I guess you could kind of call this the co-main event um, for this night one. Uh, for the This is one that definitely did change from the original plan, by the way. Uh, for the Universal title, we had Braun Strowman uh, versus Goldberg and... This isn't the only case of this happening here, but I, I will bring this up because this is the first instance of this that were really stands out um, with these two guys and with two other people in night two. Um, finishing moves are completely pointless here now, Carl. Uh, we can hit a finisher move five times, five, six times if you want. Doesn't end the match. Uh, I, I hate this. I hate this. What's the point of doing a finishing move if you're not going to end the match with it? I, I, I'm not a fan of that, Carl. Yeah, I, I'm not either. I mean, years ago, back in the day when, when we were, you know, teenagers watching wrestling, um, your finishing move was it. Mm-hmm. That was it. You had your signature move. Yep. And then you had your finishing move. Mm-hmm. And your finishing move was the one that ended the matchup. Once in a while, you would see a kick out. Yep. But then it would go right back into another little little set, and another little spot happens, and then the the finisher happens again, and then that's it, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't like five, six, seven, eight, ten times that right. it's happening. <laughs> it was at the most uh, twice because uh, oh my god, they kicked out of it the first time, yeah. and then the second time, no, it's done. Yeah. That would be like, and 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 this is something that we've <clears throat> talked about before with with like. Super kick. Uh, you're, yeah. you're wearing a shirt right now with the Young Bucks. Yeah. Um, and, and the super kick. Yeah. It was always the finishing move. Shawn Michaels hit that super kick, and that was it. Yep. Lights out, match over, ring that bell. Yep. And now it just seems like it's a signature move and not, not a even, finisher. Not even a signature move. It's, it's a move in everybody's repertoire, and we hit it over and over and over again. So when somebody actually tries to use that as a finishing move, subconsciously you're thinking, well, it's obviously not going to finish the match. Everybody kicks out of it. So then we, right. we had we had Braun Strowman's power slam that's supposed to finish the match. Goldberg keeps kicking out of it. Goldberg with the, the spear um, keeps kicking out of it. Like, it's just, it's, I mean, I, I think that they did what they needed to do in this match. I think they did the right business. Um, Goldberg definitely disagrees. I mean, there's a lot of backstage heat with Goldberg and Vince uh, over this. But um, just the fact that the match was all just finishing moves. It, 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 this felt really flat for me. This did nothing for me. I think that they they made the right move, but yeah, it, it was just kind of there. 
I mean, for me, I expected this to, to honestly, I expected this just to be a typical Goldberg match, uh, no matter who he was in there with. Yeah. Um, I expected it just to be spear, 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 jackhammer done. Yeah. And Goldberg continue on as, you know, a part-time champion that we've really yeah. come to see in the world title picture is part-time mm-hmm. champions. And honestly, that's what I had expected. Um, so Braun Strowman winning, I did not see that happening at all. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, this was something that was uh, put into place like pretty much that day um, or, or a couple days before. Right. So it was right. it was thrown together pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So, they left the most polarizing, quote-unquote, match for the very last part here, Carl. So, we had The Undertaker versus AJ Styles in this Boneyard match. Um, I'll let you kind of go first um, to give your your kind of thoughts of this, and then I'll uh, I'll go second on it. What what did you think of this Boneyard match? I thought it it was done very well. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Um, I'm, I'm seeing lots of people online that are praising it and I'm seeing mm. lots of people that are saying that it was the worst thing that they have ever seen in their life. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I, 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 and, and when I, when I touch on this, I'm touching on both this pre-taped and the other pre-taped that happened on night two. Okay? Right. So, um, how many of you loved that little thing that happened that pre-taped segment with Matt Hardy and Chris Jericho. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that was amazing. Seeing Matt Hardy go from one part of the arena, the very top to the next section and then down again and then down again. And then, and then he's in the ring. And that was the most spectacular thing that had happened. <laughs> and having Vanguard there and all of this happening has been just, it, it's been such good shit. Okay. Right. As Vince would say. Yeah. But yet when the WWE does it, you're crapping all over it. Mm-hmm. You need to get your head out of your ass. Yep. Okay. Now, the WWE, everybody knows, is an entertainment company. Right. So they are actually following suit with what AEW has been doing. And they're trying their hand at a cinematography type style of matchup. And I think that they pulled it off. So well, I loved seeing it. It's the same thing that Lucha Underground was doing, mm-hmm. and people were loving what Lucha Underground was doing. Feel that but, watch but it, as yeah. soon as the WWE does it and changes something, oh, it's the worst thing ever in the world. <laughs> Get your head out of your ass. That's I mean, I, I'm getting very heated about this, but <laughs> like you, you people are friggin' hypocrites. Mm-hmm. You are hypocrites because you're praising what every other company is doing. But then as soon as the WWE puts their hand into it and tries it, oh, it's the worst thing ever and they should never have done it. <laughs> Shut your ass. So for me, Carl, my, my, my head is only partially uh, inside my ass on this one. I'll say it kind of halfway. I'm kind of somewhere in the middle on this. Uh, for this particular one and the other uh, pre-taped kind of uh, movie-style presentation one that they did, I watched both of these back a handful of times to kind of wrap my head around it, as well as some of the stuff leading up to it. Uh, for me, um, for the first one here for Undertaker versus AJ, uh, my main criticism on this is the fact that it felt out of place given all the, the kind of build uh, week to week week to week we, we didn't set the stage for for the, the approach for this match it felt like kind of like a one-off type thing uh, I think if for this to have felt 
really proper that they should have had all of these vignettes and all the kind of build happening in this universe that the match happened in for it to really kind of fit. That that's my 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 real kind of criticism. It felt like it didn't fit with the build. Uh, leading up to it uh, they didn't set the, the narrative properly for that um, they should have had these confrontations happening in this boneyard the, the very very last one uh, building up to this should have been both these guys kind of facing off and I would like space them far apart and so you know this is where is this going to happen there's your grave that's been dug you know they, they should have built it up that way and done it in this universe and established that universe um, you know th that's my criticism with it uh, I the the production everything that they did for it for the most part very good uh at the end the only kind of hokey thing was this fake little hand kind of sticking out of the dirt um i mean is aj stretch armstrong <laughs> for his hand to kind of reach up that far through the dirt um so a little silly there it did feel definitely kind of b movie horror type of uh kind of stuff going on but uh i don't really have any issue with the production side of things i just it felt out of place uh given the bill leading up to it that's where i felt that they dropped the ball a little bit um it was a little strange um hearing the undertaker talk so much um a little bit out of character for him i know that's more kind of like the american badass biker style kind of undertaker character um for me, like I, I'm somewhere kind of in the middle. I, I, I agree with a lot of the stuff that you said here, Carl. But just for me, it just it uh, it felt a little out of place in the grand scope of things here with these two guys. And I, I kind of get that with the build up. Yes, yeah. I, I I fully you know kind of understand where you're coming from in that aspect of mm -hmm. it. But they did what they could. Yep. Given the Absolutely. circumstances that are in place. Yep. yep. And uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, but I mean, uh, without that. Mm -hmm. I think the way that they did everything uh, for inside that match mm -hmm. was great. I, yeah. I have no complaints with that at all. Yeah. See, the thing is, uh, that's the thing too, like yourself, I saw a lot of people kind of hang on, oh, this is the worst thing ever, this is a piece of shit, and blah, 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 back and forth. But then there's no real kind of explanation or any kind of logical criticism people are just like oh it was horrible it was the worst thing i've ever seen okay well what was it about that was so bad uh, it was just bad no if you're gonna say something you need to back it up with some with some logical explanation that's what i've tried to do here uh, like i said I, I i don't hate this thing there's just some aspects of it that i felt like they dropped the ball on it and that's that um you know i've, I've already explained my side of it so i don't need to go too much further with it um one other thing with this too, I will say though, is I think that it went a little long. Um, I think that I would have trimmed this down to, a, I would have maybe taken maybe about 10 minutes off of this. I think it went a touch longer than it would have needed to be. Um, but at least they ended night one with that. I think that that was the right approach too. I think if it would have been like second last or um, third from the top or something, it would have felt really, really strange. And at least they ended the night on that note with him riding, kind of riding off into the moonlight, I guess. Yeah. So no, I think that was that was a good way to end that. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> All right, Carl, let's move to night two. <laughs> uh, one thing I will say before we start going through night two. Um, I think especially this year with the way that this all all the stuff kind of unfolded and was laid out, thank God they did this in two nights. Could you imagine if this would have all been in one night? I would have been Oh man. <laughs> I would have been in rough shape. I would have been I would have come to this really pissed off. Um, so let's talk about the first pre-show for uh, for night two. Well, the only pre-show match. We had Liv Morgan versus Natalia. Um, just over six minutes. Uh, Liv Morgan getting the win over Natalia. Uh, that was definitely kind of surprising. Uh, they seemed to really kind of 
be trying to push uh, Liv Morgan here, but it just her, her character seems so. I don't know. It's it's like they can't Cookie really counter. They, yeah, and then they can't really make up uh, the mind on a direction with her. Um, I, th- I think that they they want to kind of push her as this really kind of over the top, kind of like almost like a like a Scarlet Bordeaux kind of character, but she just can't quite work it. Yeah. No, I, I would have to agree. Yeah. Um, I think that she's really still trying to come into this new character that they, they, they've given her, right? And mm-hmm. I mean, kind of breaking her away from uh, from the, the team that she was really with, um, trying to give her a singles push and, and give her that singles, singles run. I mean, it's going to take a little bit of time. She's mm-hmm. not used to this right now. So I'm, sure. I'm, I'm not, you know, totally off on it, mm-hmm. but it does need a little bit of work. For sure. Next up, we had for the NXT Women's Championship, we had Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley. Um, I will say, it was a weird thing with with uh, with Ripley, especially with her her attire. I, I was digging just how it looked. Just you know, like I said before, you know, being a, a male heterosexual wrestling fan, I mean, she was looking great. Uh, out of character for her, though, uh, I felt it was uh, it didn't quite fit with uh, her look leading up to this. Um, I think kind of what you're—I'm uh, uh, almost kind of switching over to your thought process on this, Carl. When we were talking about this before, uh, with Charlotte going over to NXT, is that there's a potential here for her to just kind of bury that whole division over in NXT. Now that she's going over there. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I was totally shocked that they actually uh, put the the belt onto yeah. Charlotte. I definitely, I was. <sighs> What does she need to prove over there? What does she need to do over there? She's been on the main roster, like 10-time yep. champion mm-hmm. uh, across all of the titles that she's won. Why? Why are we needing to bring her over there? When you have somebody like Rhea Ripley who can help carry that division over yeah. in NXT, there was no need for Charlotte to go over yeah. there or to be the NXT champion at all. And the ball has dropped in multiple fronts on this. Uh, number one... What does Rhea Ripley do now? Where, where does she go from here with this? I mean, um, other than maybe going over to maybe NXT UK, uh, what does she? What does she have left to do in NXT now that that, that the titles offer? And then also somebody else who had a major beef with uh, with her uh, with Bianca Belair. Apparently, she is going over to over to raw now because she's uh with the street profits and she was the one the ones that had the main beef with charlotte and now nothing's going to come of that so just it's they dropped the ball on multiple fronts with this nxt women's championship um which is disappointing given that uh up until this point i mean they had one of the best divisions in the business and now it's um falling down the ladder significantly now i think yeah i would have to agree it definitely has um unfortunately now Maybe if they're moving Rhea Ripley and they're moving Bianca Belair, like if this is a, a move that they're doing, then sure, you're going to need that that top woman to be able to carry the division over in NXT for a little yeah. bit until, you know, some more stars are, are built over there. But I think that the, honestly, it should have been just a Rhea Ripley continuing on. And uh, I would have loved to have seen championship match between Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair and and a feud between the two of them just to see where it would have went mm-hmm. considering uh, Rhea Ripley is 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 a huge girl not not 
girth size, but she's 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 yeah. a tall woman. Yeah. Um, she's got a, a slender build to her. She she's got that muscular type of of build to her. Uh, and then you get Bianca Belair, that's this small little sassy black woman. Um, like the two it would could clash and and have yeah. just amazing matches together. I'm sure. And now I, I don't think we're ever going to get to see that. And the argument too with Charlotte is that uh, oh well she's going to move numbers. She's going to uh, increase the ratings. Yeah, because she did that so great where she was before. She wasn't she wasn't moving numbers over there either. So that argument that she's going to help move numbers over in, over on uh, NXT, uh, not really valid in my opinion. Um, Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong. Yeah. <laughs> You know, because uh, I mean, and Charlotte needs to be a heel too. Uh, this insistence on trying to to make her the good guy, trying to make her the baby face, it just doesn't work. Uh, she she needs to to be a heel character. That's where Charlotte's at her best, um, as opposed to trying to be good or being this fifty fifty kind of BS. They 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 need to keep somebody like that as your heel character. That's that's where the money is made with her. Yeah. So next up, we had Alistair Black versus Bobby Lashley uh, in the singles match. Um, this is one another one of those ones where I mean, good for what it is, I guess. Um, but Bobby Lashley, especially, this guy has just been dead in the water in WWE, Carl, uh, since he's come back um, with all that kind of fanfare on that Raw after WrestleMania, where we were all kind of very impressed all the way since then, Carl. That this guy is just—I won't say laughing stock uh, with the the Rusev stuff and the Lana, Lana stuff, but I mean. This guy is just so far off of where he was, even just an impact before he came back over. He definitely is. And I mean, Bobby Lashley was in the WWE before, yeah. and it was almost kind of the same thing. Like, he had some good run, yeah. but it, it wasn't anything that was over-the-top spectacular. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're seeing here again, is that he's just kind of at that mid-card level where he's used for some things, and, yeah. and that's really about it. Um yeah, I mean, again, we saw kind of like this uh, interference, I guess you could say, from yeah. Lana. Um, yeah. Really, wasn't too much interference, mm-hmm. mind you, but she like was up on the on the on the uh, ring apron, and she was, you know, screaming out things to uh, uh, Bobby Lashley to do, yeah. and then you know, Alistair Black was able to take advantage of that, hit with the Black Mass, and uh, get the win. Um, the dynamic of everything and how things flowed within the match, I think were done very well, but it wasn't, it wasn't a standout. No, this felt like a weekly television type of match. This did not have WrestleMania uh, match feel to it. Uh, With Aleister Black, I mean, they have somebody that they could so capitalize, you know, if they wanted to bring in this, uh, somebody to kind of fill the Undertaker's shoes, not necessarily in the same character, but to kind of fill that role. You know, this is something that could definitely kind of pull it off. And it just felt like, again, you know, coming from NXT over to this, it just had felt, it feels like they're not really capitalizing on him as much as they should be. Um, this next match here, Carl, so I think you'll, you'll kind of be surprised about this. I, I thought that this one was kind of one of the better ones uh, of, the, of the evening here. We had Otis versus Dolph Ziggler. Um Ziggler made Otis look fantastic. I have to give Ziggler props on this one. I mean, he made Otis look like a million bucks out there. Um, this, this is and it, very kind of in the same vein as Tyler Breeze. Um, Dolph Ziggler is very good at making his, especially some of these larger guys, look fantastic. This is, I thought it was this was really well done. I 100% agree. I think that this was very well done. I was very excited. I'm, I'm For those loyal listeners, you know that I'm a fan of like, 
you know, the Bam Bam Bigelows yeah. and, the, and the Big Boss Man and, you know, Vader and, and those guys, the bigger guys that can get in there and move. And and again, that's uh, something that is uh, we're, we're seeing out of Otis as well. And I, I'm super happy with uh, with Otis and, and his work in the ring and what he can do. And, and then stepping him into the ring with uh, Dolph Ziggler like that, like that just like exemplified mm-hmm everything and, and you're right I, do, I don't think necessarily that Dolph uh, carried the matchup but Dolph really pushed Otis yeah. to bring out what we can see bingo. from Otis bingo um, and all the other stuff happening on the side really doesn't kind of do much for me. It's, it's, it's a little too Jerry Springer, uh, soap opera-ish from, from my liking, but the, the match and the work itself, I thought was kind of fantastic there. Um, next up we had, um, I, I think you could probably say that kind of the, the match of the, of really the, the whole weekend here, at least in, in my thought process, we had edge versus Randy Orton in this last man standing match. I will say, um, it went just over 36 minutes. Uh, I would have trimmed probably about 15 to 20 minutes off this match. I, th- I thought it was way too, it was good, but they went way too long on this here, Carl. Um, I think it would have had just as much impact if it would have been a 15 minute match as opposed to a 36 minute match. I don't know about that. I, I think 25 to 30 minutes w- it, it would have been perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, allowing both of those guys, because I mean, they, they kind of built up this heat between both of them yeah. and, and kind of took in the past and, and, you know, things that happened back then and coming through and stuff like that. And then bringing, you know, uh, families involved and, and, you know, throwing all of that dynamic into there, I think was, was perfect. And um, the, the matchup, maybe, maybe, was too long for some. Yeah. I, it didn't feel that long to me. I watched yeah. that. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time watching it. And I'm yeah. like, holy crap, where are they going next? Yeah. Where are they going next? Yeah. Where are they going next? And, uh, I mean, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I didn't find it to be too long because it didn't um, feel that long to me. Yeah. I think if this definitely would have been edge versus somebody else, I would have said definitely trim that, puppy down uh but given that it was randy orton we know randy's going to take care of his, his opponents i mean kind of peeling the curtain back hey fabe wise here uh probably for some people but uh you know because your your idea in professional wrestling is not to actually destroy the other person you know you want to uh, work safely with the other person but you know given that it was randy we know that he he does take care of his, his opponents out there but still i think i just it, it went a tad long for me uh, i by no means hated this match whatsoever i thought i thought it was probably one of the the best ones of the, the whole weekend but i, I would have trimmed it down a little bit just it it almost kind of felt like we're just kind of like like we had to like hit everywhere in the performance center kind of as we were kind of going so it it felt a little um kind of odd that way and a little kind of rehearsed but there there were some spots like where the cameraman getting knocked down and stuff like that where i thought they that that felt really good production wise there um a lot of cuts here too i mean obviously edge is not gonna you know coming back i guess he's not gonna be able to do a 36 minute match kind of start to finish so there were a lot of cuts and a lot of edits done with this to to make it look uh, as good as they managed to kind of pull it off so yeah, I'm. I was. I was happy with the entire thing for sure. Uh, and Edge getting the win, so I, I definitely. Um, I think they went in the right direction there. Where do they go from here? I, I honestly have no idea. I mean, what do you do after this? Uh, I think this pretty much would end it. You would think, right? I think so. I think that this, at least this part of uh, Edge's next chapter, I think is is done. It's complete. Um, this this uh, Randy Orton feud. 
mm-hmm. I don't think that, that, that we're going to see it a- anymore yeah. um, unless maybe they do something at like, you know, money in the bank or, or, or something like that where possibly they have, you know, another match and mm-hmm. maybe two more matches, right? Because they both put everything out on the line and, uh, you know, Edge or uh, Randy Orton rather is going to kind of come back and go, you know what, you pushed me to my limit, but I know I got just that little bit more. Let's yeah. uh, let's do something again. Let's do something a little bit different. Let's do something maybe a little bit more my style. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe. But uh, honestly, I don't want to see that. No. I want that this is the definitive end yeah. of Randy Orton and Edge. It definitely felt like it was wrapping up. And that's one thing that with the past few WrestleManias, I felt that, that they were doing too much of. It felt like these storylines were just kind of just starting to get kind of hotter, just starting to build at WrestleMania. Or at least this one, you know, there was a build up to it and then it should, or it looks like it's going to actually end at WrestleMania. So I definitely like that approach uh, as opposed to like we're getting WrestleMania, we're just starting to build now. So uh, I like that they, at least it looks like they put a, a bow on that for now. Um, yeah. Could they maybe maybe team up or something later? I mean, I think that would feel a little odd given just how kind of devastating this kind of ended. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I'm hoping that Edge and both these guys will kind of move on to something else after this. Yeah, Um, me too. Next up for the Raw Tag Team Championship, we had the Street Profits versus Angel Garza and Austin Theory. Um with Zelina Vega at ringside. Uh, This was a a really well done in-ring match, but didn't feel like there was a whole kind of lot kind of invested on kind of on the line here other than the championships. It was, it was a well done uh, in ring match. I thought, um, you know, especially Garza was the real kind of standout here and I thought they, they did a good job, but I mean, it didn't move the needle on the radar much for me with this one. Me either. It yeah. really, it really didn't. I mean, yeah. it was a good match. It, it was awesome to see, but mm-hmm. it wasn't the standout. Yep. It felt more like we were focusing on, okay, now we're setting up with a, I think it was Lena Vega and Bel Air. That's what it felt like the whole purpose of this kind of match was, because that's how it kind of ended. So, and, and, and again, disappointed that Bel Air is not going to have a chance to win that NXT Women's Championship, because I definitely feel like she's earned that opportunity and seemingly is going to miss out on that. So we'll see if she actually gets called up, so to speak, to the main roster, but hopefully, uh, maybe, maybe not the case, but... We'll just have to kind of wait and see on that one. Um, next up for me, this was my real kind of low point for for night two on this crawl. I don't know how you felt about this, but uh, we had Bailey uh, defending. Uh, I hate these fatal five way matches too, by the way, especially in WWE. Uh, Bailey versus Lacey Evans, Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Tamina. <laughs> um, okay. Um, this again didn't really do much for me this is another one of those where i'm closing my eyes and i feel like i'm watching porn Uh, a lot of moaning a lot of grunting happening in this match i mean it it wasn't bad for what it was yeah i I mean they went out there and all of them were able to kind of kind of showcase themselves a little bit which i think is is really the the main purpose of these like fatal five ways uh or fatal four ways or or anything like that and elimination style uh matchup as well so Mm -hmm. I mean, kind of going through and then, you know, this one gets eliminated, they're gone. And then it's down to four and then that one's and then down to three. And like uh, you you can really do some good things dynamically uh, when it comes to these fatal four, fatal five or fatal six or fatal ten or whatever. These (laughs) fatal matches that that happen. Um, But you're right. It really didn't like 
push the envelope mm-hmm. or really seem to open up really too, too much for uh, continuation of anything. Mm-hmm. It just kind of seemed, you know, really good. I mean, we did see a little bit of almost a dissension between, um, you know, Bailey and Sasha Banks. Yeah, the uh, there was them. a little bit of that there. Uh, but then it kind of turned back around again at the end where, you know, Sasha Banks came back out and, and, and essentially helped Bailey um, kind of win that matchup. And then Sasha handing Bailey the title. Mm-hmm. But you still kind of had that little bit of, of look in Sasha's face going, I might have helped you this time, mm-hmm. but I know I can beat you. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, could be kind of starting and building something, something for that. But mm-hmm. I mean, other than that. Yeah, I mean, it was just another matchup. My my kind of concern coming out, out of this whole thing here, and this isn't just necessarily isolated to just this match and these individuals in this match. I think just kind of in general, I think especially with that kind of the women, we might start to see this with these empty shows. And, and, and this particular match was very edit heavy. There were a lot of cuts and a lot of manipulating in this match. Um, Lacey, from my hear, I mean, that it took about three attempts to hit that kind of moonsault in that match before she got it right. Um what are these uh, girls, especially in this kind of case here, uh, once we get back to live television, I think we're going to see some issues kind of happen here because they're going to start getting used to this. Well, oh, I messed this up. That's okay. We'll have another take at it. When we get back to live television, we got to get this right the first time, Carl. Um, so that's kind of, uh, I think, could possibly be a byproduct of uh, these empty arena pre-tape things is that they might kind of start getting into that groove when it gets back to live television. Some of them are going to struggle. How long have they been doing these pre-tapes? They did uh, it for Mania. Well, Raw and SmackDown's all been pre-taped. It hasn't been live. And NXT. I mean, all of it's been pre-taped now. None of it's been live, Carl. I know it's not been live, yeah. but I, I mean, this is the first that I'm actually hearing where they actually did different takes. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything else, to my understanding, and and if I'm wrong, somebody please direct me to a credible source telling yeah. me and showing me that this is that, that that I'm incorrect. But to my understanding, the shows that we've been seeing on Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, while they have been pre-taped shows, mm-hmm. they were um, doing them as if they were live shows so there was no stop and then redo this and stop and redo this it was all just go out there we're taping and then it's going out except for wrestlemania so this is to my understanding right now one time that that's happened that's it yeah well there has been some leaked footage there was one i can't remember if it was a raw or a smackdown uh, i guess maybe it might have been uh, somebody on the crew that was there but uh when they were cutting uh, during commercials they were essentially stopping the match and everybody's just standing in the ring waiting for the queue for to come back from commercial so uh, how much of that has been kind of going on i mean we can't say for certain but we we, we do know that it's at least happened that one time um how yeah. how often that happens like i said we, we can't really say because we don't have the proof but uh yeah but we'll see once we, when and if we get back to live television here, Carl, um, there could be some people that, like I said, that might struggle, especially if they start getting into this groove or this attitude. And it's like, okay, you know, I messed this up, but it's okay. I'll have a chance to kind of get it right a second or third or fourth or fifth time. Um, yeah, it, it's something that's a little bit concerning, but we won't know until we get back to, to live TV. So True. So when, when we get to that point, you know, then we can kind of address it. Uh, next up we had... I guess you could say, you know, the, um, the Boneyard match was kind of the most polarizing thing of night one. Well, this next one was definitely the most polarizing one of night two here. We had 
Um, the Fiend, um, Bray Wyatt with John Cena in this Firefly Funhouse. I'm not going to call this a match here, Carl. Now, I'm not criticizing what they did because I thought production-wise, I thought that the, the, they did fantastic with this. But I will say this was not a wrestling match. You're right. So the World Wrestling Entertainment didn't give us a wrestling match between no. Bray Wyatt no. or The Fiend and John Cena. No. They gave us entertainment. Yep. Yep. So I, I like what they did, but people defending this as, as a great wrestling match, uh, I, I got to disagree with, with those people on that because, like I said, this was not a wrestling match. This was kind of like a was like a Twilight Zone-y kind of a rewind mixed with like some Southpaw regional wrestling mixed with some just uh, homages and whatnot. It was just it felt like a kind of a collage of a bunch of stuff, though. Um, well mm-hmm. done. Well done. But not a wrestling match. Uh, and I, I wasn't even really sure who won or lost this kind of thing. But again, like it didn't really matter because this was not an actual match. So I was a little bummed that they didn't actually do an actual match here. But I thought what they did do was was very well done, production-wise. <laughs> this is this is this is really, um, like you said, polarizing because mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking at things from kind of different aspects as well. Yep. Um, you're right, production-wise, they they did phenomenal with this, and, mm-hmm. and to give us this entertainment uh, was perfect. The way that they did it, I, I I loved that they did the whole John Cena throughout his entire career and through the decades of John Cena. You could you could almost yeah. say, and and the little comedic parts that they had put into it, and then you know even you know, having the Vince doll at uh, ringside doing commentary and then even yeah. even exclaiming, this yeah. is such good shit. Right. I pop pretty right? hard for that, so, by the way. Like uh. huge props, yeah. huge props for that. Right. Um, but you're right. It was not a wrestling match. You know, but. OK, so if they were to have had a wrestling match. I think we would still be hearing disdain coming out of the mouths of the Mark Tards going mm-hmm. Oh, it was a typical John Cena match. He had the five moves of doom. Yeah. He couldn't wrestle and Bray Wyatt so much better. And how could they allow John Cena to do that? And, oh, John Cena gets the win or John Cena, whatever. Like, we would have heard <laughs> crap coming out of mouths again. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, you know what? It, it just it pisses me off to no end. To hear these people that say, I'm a professional wrestling fan, but I'm going to criticize every no. goddamn little thing that happens because I have the right to do so. Shut your face <laughs> and enjoy some wrestling. Yeah. And in this case, they gave us some entertainment yeah. when the world, the world is shut down yeah. and there is no entertainment happening to be found the WWE decided to give you some entertainment and you're bitching and complaining about it mm-hmm. instead of just enjoying a little bit of entertainment. Yep. And it, it, oh, it just irks me and pisses me off to no end. Like people you, you, stop being so high on yourselves and thinking that you know, absolutely everything. I don't know absolutely everything, but I am trying to see the good stuff coming yeah. out of this because I've been there and I know the work that they're putting into this. Mm-hmm. I know the work that's gone into it. Yeah. I know what happens during productions. I've worked on movie sets. I know how things work. I know how things go. I've been in that ring. I know the work they're putting into it. They are 
giving their everything for this. And then to have people go, that was shit. <laughs> that was crap. Yeah. They should never have done that. I'm I'm never watching WWE again. Well, we'll get to that. But no. Come no. on. Right? Like, yeah. For, and uh, this, is, this is not anything directed towards you, Big Joe, because yeah. I know that you have those sentiments and feelings of, yeah. I, you know what, the WWE is just lost on me now. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to but, that. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah like yeah. I don't, I, I don't know what more to say about it because I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm frustrated and I'm at a <laughs> loss here because people yeah. continue to praise these other companies that are doing the exact same thing that the WWE just gave you, and you're crapping all over what they did, mm-hmm. but yet you're praising uh, two, three, four other companies that we're doing it first. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so many things that are kind of going on beneath the surface there. So it's kind of hard to point the finger at one thing, but uh, I will say, you know, just for myself, you know, given that Cena is not even uh, a part-time wrestler, I mean, he's a no-time wrestler at the the moment. So I thought this was the right approach to go with, given that this guy's working in Hollywood. So, you know, why not go with, well, eh, maybe not be quite Hollywood level. Again, I think it's kind of B-movie kind of, uh, cheesy kind of stuff there but uh, I thought it was the right approach uh, given uh, the personnel involved um, a wrestling match would have maybe not really have kind of felt right given the, the build going into this thing so again yeah. r- right approach uh, I'm not really maybe as high on it as you are but uh, I'm not going to shit all over it either because I thought th- that they good, did good despite the circumstances so um, personally I'm somebody more that kind of prefers just professional wrestling um, but this was good for what it is but we'll, we'll, we'll kind of get to that once we finish wrapping up uh, yeah. all of the matches here before, before we get our, to our match of the, the weekend and the um, showstopper um, to end off Wrestlemania we had and rightfully so I think uh, we had Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship and again just like the, the Braun Strowman and Goldberg match here, Carl. I think that uh, maybe not quite so much uh, Drew's finishing move, but the F5 now I think is officially dead as a finishing move because he did it, what, five or six times and didn't end the match? Um, yeah. So, again, this basically felt like a kind of a rehash of the Goldberg and Braun Strowman match. Um I think, though, that I think pretty definitively, I think uh, putting the title Drew McIntyre was the right thing to do. Having said that, though, I mean, I mean, I think they did a really nice job kind of wrapping things up and him kind of celebrating it and really kind of making eye contact with the camera there. At the same time, too, given just all like how long this has kind of taken to unfold with him and whatnot for, what, like 15 years for this guy to, to win a singles championship, he's got to feel kind of robbed, though, that he didn't have a crowd celebrating there with him for this moment. Uh, there's got to be a little bit of disappointment there with that, given how, despite how cool the moment was inside of itself. Yeah, definitely. I, I would have to agree with that. I mean, that is something that you really would want to share uh, mm-hmm. with the fans that that have supported you throughout right. these 15 years. Um, the WWE did put out a um, uh, an episode of 24, I believe it was, with Drew McIntyre mm-hmm. and uh, things leading up to this match at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um I hope that maybe they do something after as well, given that, that they have a little bit of time. Um, I want to see, you know, the preparation that he put into WrestleMania. I want to see how he was during that day. I want to see the, the dynamic inside of his head that was going on during that time mm-hmm. where we're at a WrestleMania that there are no fans. And, and this is the very first time that that has ever happened. Um, and and to, to see how he feels 
coming out of this. And exactly as you said, in a situation where you would figure that he would, you would want to embrace this with his fans and with the WWE universe Mm -hmm. and not being able to. For sure. And just a couple other side, well, well, one kind of big side thing here that I forgot to mention too, that, uh, my head's still kind of spinning uh, after kind of hearing this, uh, Mark Henry predicting that, that this WrestleMania was going to draw in, you're going to hear me right on this folks, 200 million viewers that he was predicting that, uh, that we're going to watch this show. Uh, my head almost exploded. I think, or I actually think it may have exploded when I first heard this, uh, 200 million. I mean, pfft, there's like no chance that we got anywhere near that number. Um, and if anybody kind of believed that or thought that was going to be the case, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm actually interested to see what, well, what the numbers actually yeah. were. Yeah. Um, in a previous episode, we had talked about uh, what, it, what what's going to happen now that it's two nights. And, mm-hmm. and I actually had a, a friend of mine let me know that he was actually looking at the uh, at the pay-per-view uh, scheduling on the television. Yep. And that day one was $35 and day two was $35 as well. Yep. So if, if you're a fan that has been listening to our podcast, uh, there's the answer to that question. How is it going to be done? Well, mm-hmm. that's how they did it. They yep. they actually charged you for both nights. And what was interesting too, Carl, uh, kind of out of the norm for them too, is that uh, if you really noticed, there was no plugging the WWE network. Did you did you notice that at all? None, yeah. not at all. So I think that beneath the surface, the, there's the move going away from the network for the for the quote unquote pay-per-views, uh, whether ESPN or however this is kind of go, where it's obviously something that we're going to keep track of. Um, but you can tell kind of brewing beneath the surface there that there's a move going away, uh, from the network for these bigger shows, which will be a shame. Um, uh, and I think it's going to really negatively affect the network, but Hey, we're just gonna have to, um, wait and see. We'll definitely talk about that once more kind of happens with that. Yeah. So having said that now, Carl, before we take our break here and do our showstopper segment, because we have something pretty significant to talk about there as well. Um, what was your, your match of WrestleMania? Edge and Orton. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. I loved absolutely everything that they did in that. And, and again, like, like I had said before, I didn't feel as though that it was long because I was on the edge of my seat watching this and, and, and loving it because I mean, I was I was an Edge fan. I definitely mm-hmm. was. Uh, day one of WrestleMania, underneath my work shirt, I was wearing an Edge shirt. Um, so I mean, I'm a fan uh, of Edge, and I'm a fan of Randy Orton and his work too. I mean, they both have been in the business for so long and know each other so well that I think just everything worked for that match for them. Nice, good choice, and I think probably a choice for a lot of people as well. Uh, just to mix it up, I will pick a different one. Um, this was going to be my, my pick regardless, though, anyways, whether you were going to pick it or not. Uh, my match of WrestleMania was from night one, Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. Uh, I really enjoyed this, and, and as somebody who has been to a lot of independent shows, I, I think I got a little bit of extra appreciation for the the approach of this. I, I thought maybe that they used the, the ring bell maybe a, a little too much. Uh, with that, I mean, uh, once you hit somebody with that, that should be kind of game over. But th- that's kind of a minor gripe there. But I thought just uh, across the board with that match, they did really well. Uh, even kind of the match kind of somewhat ending and then Kevin calling him back out. No, 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 let's do this. No disqualification right now. And then they, they did that. Just it, it, it hit all the marks for me. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. And 
damn, watching Kevin, I'm always thoroughly entertained when Kevin Owens is going out there as a Canadian doing his thing. So I, I, I get a lot of enjoyment watching that man work in the ring. Me too. All right, Carl, we're going to take a brief break here and we're going to come back with our showstopper segment and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more dark side of the ring and specifically we're going to talk some New Jack and we're going to talk about the infamous mass transit incident. This is one's a doozy here, Carl, and we'll be right back. This week's episode is brought to you by Collar Neville. Visit CollarNevilleBrand.com where you can get an additional 10% off when using promo code JKPODCAST at the checkout, including this week's featured item, the mirror pullover hoodie. All right, guys, Big Joe and Carl Carafel back here on Turnbuckle Talk. Yes, we are, guys, and we are at that greatest part of our show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our show stopper segment. Yes, Carl, we have an interesting one here today, and uh, thanks to Dark Side of the Ring for giving us some interesting topics to talk about. And uh, this week we're going to talk about the mass transit incident. Now, contrary to popular belief, um, people who have not really looked into this topic, this has absolutely nothing to do with mass transit. Um, Like, we're talking about public transportation. This was actually the name of a a gimmick of a quote-unquote wrestler. Um... Why I'm kind of wording it that way, we'll get to it. Um, this is involving Mr. New Jack, who is probably one of the most infamous people in the professional wrestling business. And uh, while we were kind of taking a bit of a break here off air here, Carl, um, I refer to New Jack as probably somebody who makes Abdul the Butcher probably look like a Sunday school teacher. Uh, this guy has had a pretty interesting and pretty crazy, pretty nutty wrestling career. It definitely has. I mean, probably one of the most hardcore uh, that we have ever seen um, when it comes to the world of professional wrestling. This was a guy who went out there and put his uh, literally his life on the line every opportunity he had. Yeah. And from the story he was telling that likely probably most if not the majority of his matches he was probably high on coke uh, from most of them he basically would say you know he would do a line of coke pretty much before every wrestling match even going back to smoky mountain wrestling days um jim Cornette's promotion there hard, hard to believe that that this is kind of where this guy kind of stemmed from a, a, a promotion run by jim Cornette. um you know especially given Mr. Cornette's opinion on a lot of things. It's surprising that somebody uh, like New Jack would kind of come out of that system. It's a, it's interesting. There's a lot of layers to this kind of story. Now, this took place. Um, we're going back quite a ways here. This is going back to the ECW uh, early ECW days, and this was involving a person. His name was Eric Kulas. I'm probably probably mispronouncing his name. Um, And he called himself Mass Transit. That was the name of of the the quote-unquote character. It was essentially kind of like a bus driver type of like a a Ralph Crandon kind of bus driver type of gimmick here. And right off the bat, this guy lied about his, not only his age, but his training and his ability in the ring. Uh, that's where the first um, issue stems in this whole situation here, Carl. Definitely is. This uh, cool-ass kid 
Um, and, and we use the word kid because he was 17 years old, um, started out, uh, kind of doing some local, uh, promotion wrestling with, uh, and, and they, they've classified themselves as it, as midget wrestlers, um, working with midget wrestlers and, uh, or little people wrestlers. If you want me to be, you know, nice about things, um, and, and, and totally lied about his abilities and his in-ring experience, uh, which was virtually non-existent. Like I said, he did some independent stuff a little bit, but it wasn't anything uh, overly extravagant. Um, if, if To give you guys a little bit of an understanding, um, you take the big boss man. Um, everybody knows the name, the big boss man. Uh, this kid looked bigger than the big boss man. Yeah. And wore almost the same type of clothing. He, he wore like a blue uh, type of button-up work shirt, a uh, pair of pair of pants, and, and wrestling boots in the, into the ring. Yep. And uh, it, al- it almost looked like there was transit logos on the uh, the arms of the uh, work shirt, uh, short-sleeved work shirt. But th- this kid was a big kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, 17 is yep. how old he was. Yep. Uh, this took place at a ECW house show on November 23rd, 1996 is the exact date of this. Um, to the best of my knowledge, this was never aired anywhere. This was, again, it was a house show. It wasn't really recorded. Other, other, I mean, other than there's little bits that were recorded by people that were there. Um, essentially, he was brought in to replace Axel Rodden, who couldn't make the show. So this um, mass transit uh, teamed up with Devon Dudley to go up against the Gangstas, which was New Jack and Mustafa Saeed. Uh, these two guys were, man, probably as independent heel as you can kind of get. I mean, this, these guys had a tremendous amount of heat, almost kind of like the old school type of heat where they were getting lynched and getting rocks thrown at them out in the parking lot. Like They would have to basically get a police escort uh, out of the area. That's how much heat these guys were getting. And... Um, it got to the point in the match where, and I guess before too, um, Eric approached New Jack to discuss like a spot or whatnot, and he, New Jack didn't take that kind of well. And when it came to getting some color, um, so to speak, um, New Jack used a surgical scalpel to kind of bleed this kid instead of uh, you know the usual way, and. This guy bled like a stuck pig. I think he actually severed a couple arteries there, and I had not, never seen this much blood in a wrestling match before. This was this got really, really gruesome. I was known as the extreme Canadian, and I have seen a lot of extreme type of wrestling, and, and that was even a lot for me to, yeah. to, to watch and take in. Um, yeah, I mean, as Big Joe pointed out... Uh, mass transit went up to new jack in the back and and pretty much uh said you know what i want to do this and i want to do this and i want to do that inside of this matchup yeah and uh (laughs) behind the curtains you don't do that yeah you do not go to the veteran and say well these are this is what i want to do uh no you walk up to the veteran and and you extend your hand and you shake you shake their hand and you say we're in a match together tonight. It yep. is very nice to meet you. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, what 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 do you have in mind for us for tonight? Mm-hmm. And that's how you start out that type of a conversation. And because the majority of the professionals that are out there, the veteran professionals, are going to say, "It's nice to meet you too. Thanks for coming by. 
Let's go talk for a couple of minutes and they'll talk through things and they will give you an opportunity to, to, to express as well. Uh, the majority of the ones that I have ever worked with and I've been in the ring with the Patriot, mm -hmm. um, you know, a fantastic experience, but I went up to him and I talked with him and I said, you know, we're both going to be in, in, we were both in a battle Royal and, uh, he's like, Okay. And, and we talked for a couple of minutes and he says, Oh, when are you going out? And I said, Oh, I'm going out like fifth. And then, you know, he, he ended up going to the promoter and saying, you've got gold here. This is what we're doing. We're changing things. Yeah. So he was the veteran and he was going to the promoter saying, this is how things are going to go. And then we continued to talk and he's like, what kind of movesets do you want to do? What, what do you want to see happen? He's like, I would like, I was like, I just want a little bit of offense on you just to say that I had a little bit of offense on, uh, you know, the Patriot, uh, maybe if, if I just give you like a, like a suplex or something and then like you get right back up and then, cause we were in the United States, I was right. the Canadian, you know, he's the Patriot. Of course <laughs> he's going to win and go over. Right. Yeah. But he gave me that opportunity because you go into it. Not with your head held high and, 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 and as if you are better than everyone else or even on the same level. You go into it knowing that this is the veteran and this is the person that is going to help me. And, and that I think it was the wrong way for uh, Kulas to really go and approach it. But again, that comes back to not having enough time in the business. Mm -hmm. Probably not even proper training. No. And being a young 17-year-old. See, and that's how I want to kind of approach this here, Carl, of what we can kind of learn, you know, not only as fans, but, uh, you know, people working in the business or people just starting out. Because, I mean, we could talk about all the legal ramifications and all that kind of stuff, but that stuff's all pretty well documented. We know that uh, a lot of negative shit happened, for lack of a better term, when it comes to this. Um, but that's this is kind of how I want to approach this, is what we can all learn from the mass transit incident. And we'll start off with what aspiring workers and people new to the business can learn from this. And you already hinted at some of it there, Carl, but uh, first right off the bat is don't go into something, especially this over the top without being legitimately trained or going into any kind of wrestling match, especially if you're going to work an entire match for the love of God, get some training first. Otherwise, you know, somebody like new Jack, I mean, they're not going to, um, you know, soften things up for you. I mean, they're used to working balls to the wall and they're not going to hold back just because, uh, you're new. Definitely not. They're not going to appreciate it. And this is where things turn into shoots, yep. um, where things, uh, quote unquote, get real in the world of professional wrestling. That that's called a shoot. Yep. That's where you, you, you go in and, and when you're supposed <laughs> to pull your punch, you're actually punching the guy yeah. and you're potatoing him and you're yeah. making him feel the pain. That is uh, that that's a shoot where you are legitimately fighting this person as opposed to working safely in a professional wrestling match. Yeah. So um, especially when you, you have some knowledge too about, uh, you know, the workers and what's going on, especially if you're this kind of new. And if you see that, uh, that's going to get super ultra violent, and you're not comfortable with it and then don't do it. Especially like this guy, like this is probably his first, probably one of his first very matches. Like he had mentioned, this guy was to the best of my knowledge, was never legitimately trained at this point and never was. Cause he didn't end up passing away, uh, after the fact because of something unrelated, but yeah, just it's, 
it's a shame that it kind of happened this way for this kid. And uh, I guess the real kind of big lesson to be learned here is don't go in without zero experience, especially with something over the top like this. And then going along with that, what you had mentioned, um, on top of it, trying to dictate how it's going to kind of go when your opponent is somebody who is a veteran who's been around for a long time. That just, like you said, that's just not how it's played. It definitely is not. And I mean, it, especially if you're young in the business, you you really need to make sure that you are uh, taking the advice of those veterans and, and taking the advice of those that you're working with. And even if it's, it's two green people going in and working a match together, you still have to go into it with the mindset of this person might, may know more than I do and I want to listen. And I want to learn from this person and I want to help both of us grow in this matchup and from any situation that happens. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, I think because he had a little touch of fame, I guess you could say, on the independent circuit where he was working, that it may have gone to his head and he thought that he was, you know, the top of the top and better than he was. And this is all just hearsay. I don't know if this is is actually how things went, but I mean, just thinking about it, that's that's at 17 years old, that's how my mindset would have been is, oh, I've already been working in the business. I've been working with these, uh, with these little guys and, and I know how to do these and I know what I'm doing and, you know, stuff like that. And they, they even showed in the program, they showed these, these two little people that were in the ring with him, given this guy who was probably 400 pounds, a yeah. suplex, a double yeah. suplex. Yeah. And the kid took it very well. He, 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 he jumped when he was supposed to, he made it look good. He definitely did. Yeah. But that experience level just wasn't there mentally to be able to go into a large conglomerate of a corporation and even ECW then wasn't super huge, but it was gaining so much notoriety and he went into it just with the wrong mindset. And that's another thing I want to discuss with this too. When it comes to learning lessons, I think it's something that uh, people have kind of ignored with with, uh, this is what uh, promoters can, uh, what lesson can they can learn from coming out of this? Because I mean, this could could have toppled ECW uh, if things would have uh, escalated even further, which um, actually surprise uh, never did. Um, what can promoters learn from the mass transit incident, Carl? Uh, a simple one is do your background checks on these on these people that yeah. are coming in and claiming to be workers. Um, if if you don't know the name, then you need to do some research. You need to go. Yeah. And back then, it wasn't like readily available that you could just hop onto your phone and go, you know, Google this person's name and find out about them. You had to go and talk to the other guys. You had to tell this person that's come in that you don't know their name and be like, yeah. hey, sit down here for a couple of minutes and, and, and I'll be back with you in about half an hour. I got to go do a couple things and we'll talk. And then you go to the back and you talk to some of the veterans and you talk to the ones that are a little less known that have been working on an independent circuit and going, here, there's a guy that's here. This is what his name is. This is the gimmick that he's going by. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know anything about this guy, about this character, about his work? What do you know? And you really have to do some some background research quickly. Uh, in this case, it would have been very quick that you really had to have done some uh, some research on him. Um, but that's that's the biggest thing. Make sure you know who you are putting into the ring. There you go. Couldn't have worded it better myself. 
All right, Carl, that about wraps it up for, for this week. Um, interesting week in the world of professional wrestling. You know, we had our very first empty mania. Uh, it, it's very unusual, even when you go and uh, look up information, uh, Wikipedia, whatnot, and you look at the the attendance and you see the number zero there. Uh, it's it's a, a little bizarre there. But uh, you know, given the circumstances, uh, I, I give WWE props for at least giving us something. Um, I'm kind of right there with you. I, I maybe would have called it something different than WrestleMania. I would have held off with that probably until summertime and gone with the i'm a very much a proponent of the summer mania idea uh, for this year i think that would have been the better approach but again like i said i'm glad that they gave us something uh at, at the very least uh also uh dark side of the ring glad that this has happened right now too because that is also giving us some interesting topics to talk about the chris benoit situation uh, the new jack situation we know that uh, they're going to also cover the owen hart uh, incident as well so we're going to have some very um, very interesting, very um, polarizing, very controversial topics to talk about on Turnbuckle Talk going forward. We definitely are. And again, for everyone out there that is uh, listening, Spotify is a new place that you can find Turnbuckle Talk. Yes, you heard that right. We are finally on Spotify. Uh, it took a lot of work, a lot of stuff that we had to go through and do, but we are now able to be on Spotify, which is fantastic. Uh, you can follow us on our social medias at TB Talk Pod across Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and just again, thank you to all of you fans that are out there right now that are having to be stuck at home due to this uh, COVID-19 coronavirus bull crap that's going on and going around. It's not bull crap. It's actually a very <laughs> serious situation. Yeah. Um, so thank you to all of you that, that during this time are doing your part by staying home and tuning into our broadcast. It's very much so appreciated without you guys. Uh, um, I mean, Joe and I could sit here and talk all day about professional wrestling, yeah. but it just isn't the same if we can't give it to somebody else. And right. uh, again, we we want you guys to be interactive with us uh, when we post our episodes. Put it out there onto uh, onto Facebook. We always put it there for you guys. We want you to go and comment. Tell us what you thought about the show. Yep. You disagree with something that we've said on the show? Let us know. Let's talk about things as civil professional wrestling fans because i know we can do that so Absolutely. again thank you everybody that's uh, i mean we can't thank you guys enough and just another brief mention you mentioned uh, platforms to listen to us on um we were originally going to exit off of Podbean, but I think there's been enough uh, demand from our current listeners, and I'm still seeing new followers uh, popping up there on the daily. So for the time being, we're actually going to to keep that going for the foreseeable future. Uh, there's been enough demand there to, to justify it. So we're going to keep the Podbean platform going for the time being, and we have a pretty large follower base there, so we don't want to abandon everybody there. Um, so we'll keep that going for the time being. Uh, that could eventually change but for the time being Podbean, we're going to stick with going forward as well and we're, we're going to stick with both yeah um in actuality so yes, yeah. um we'll be on both. yeah we're, we're going to stick with both the platforms now um and and just i mean it's going to be it's going to be great it, it's just another avenue and another outlet for uh you know people to be able to listen to us yeah. and uh we're just so thankful that uh these uh, platforms have allowed us to come on here to be able to do this for you guys so i mean Thank you to even the platforms and, and yeah, again, uh, lots of people that subscribe to Spotify. Mm -hmm. We can now be found on Spotify. 
Absolutely. All right, Carl, I think that's about, uh, that's a good way to wrap things up here for this week. So everybody uh, stay healthy, stay safe, and we will see you on the next one. Have a nice day. It's me, it's me. It's an honor to be the beat. As you can tell in the background, we are out celebrating. That is what we do here at HittingTheMarks.com. And I invite everyone to continue to tune in to Turnbuckle Talk, but check out all of our other shows. We have content especially led up by the flagship show, Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. You can find that all at hittingthemarks.com. Run.